The Weeknd is creating a new Euphoria-style show, The Kardashian Dynasty grows further on TikTok, and is Will Smith's orgasm reveal sex positive or TMI? We're Maggie and Jasmine, and you're listening to Culture Club, our weekly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to celebrate their rich history of culture and storytelling that we can all learn from. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hi, desk buddy. Hello, work wife. We're never going to stop talking about this. I know every episode, but it's actually very cute because yesterday was officially our first day working next to each other. We had a coffee run. We got lunch together. Um, It was very cute, wasn't it? (laughs) Yes, very, very cute. And I was nervous that like with us sitting next to each other that we wouldn't get work done. But I'm glad that we can also sit in silence and not bug each other about like pop culture comments. I know, but it was so hard, like especially in the morning, every two seconds I like turned to jazz and I was going to like, I just wanted to keep talking to you, yes. <laughs> but we're like, no, self-control, where are you? Um, yeah, I do yeah. so much self-control when you were writing a feature yesterday and I knew you were like deep in concentration and the amount of times I'd turn to you and be like, <gasps> and then just have to hold it back and then go back to my own little laptop. <laughs> Oh, bless. Um, Apart from that, how has your week been? It has been good. Like you said, we went back to the office. So I was in twice. You were only in once. But it was nice to meet colleagues and just be in a different space rather than working from home and by myself. Um, Yeah, it's just nice to like see people in real life. Mm. yeah what about you yeah I just feel like the last fortnight has been so exhausting Mm. I think because maybe we're like doing more things out now or something but I'm knackered and I also feel like coupled with hay fever or something and got my period so I just feel like everything's a lot right now Mm. but I feel like that's end of the year end of the year vibes so yeah I think it's yeah a mixture of like Christmas coming up and then end of lockdown it's like I don't know about you, but I want to do things like I have the energy, but I'm also tired. It's like it's a weird feeling of like you want to go out and do things, but then, you know, you should pull it back a little bit. Mm. I had a conversation with my therapist about this (laughs) and um, yeah, very, very much trying to be conscious of like where I'm putting my energy Mm. Um, (laughs) and, you know, for instance, today as we're recording this, I was supposed to go to a music festival, but I didn't feel up to it for a number of reasons and I'm kind of glad I prioritized, you know, my own time and and stuff like that. So we learn. Yeah, that's really good to set those boundaries. Mm, word of the moment. So it was a big week in music news this week. The 2022 Grammy nominations have been released. The awards are set to take place in January next year and a whole bunch of artists have been nominated, obviously. Yeah, how exciting. And there's been another change this year as well. So the Grammys have a new procedure to select nominees um, because they're actually going by popular vote now um, and getting rid of the secret committees that had curated lists in the past few years. 
I have mm. no idea about this actually. Yeah, because do you remember last year when The Weeknd released, you know, that amazing album, Blinding Lights has yeah. been named one of like the best songs of all time um, by various music outlets and things and he got snubbed basically by the Grammys and so there's a lot of outrage there. So now um, they are moving away from that because previously it was like committees that adjusted the final votings Um and then now it's going to be more of a popular vote. Cool. I think that's so the way to go. Um, I feel like so many of these award programs have a lot of problems because, you know, we, we talked about the Oscars a while back and that was chosen by like 20 old people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So this is a cool move. Yeah. Justin Bieber, Doja Cat and her received eight nominations each and Billie Eilish and Olivia Rodrigo are close behind with seven um, yes, we, we obviously knew this would happen for Olivia, surely, right? And it was so exciting. She was nominated in all of the general fields, so like the big four categories, which are Record of the Year, Album of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best New Artist. So well-deserved. I don't know about you, but when I saw all of her nominations, I was like super proud, obviously, but then I was also like, oh, how much pressure is that? Like your first yeah. album, you're 18, to get four Grammy nominations that people, you know, work their whole careers for, whatever. Like how do you, like I'd be so nervous. Like how do you top that? How do you keep building on your career? But I guess like people like Beyonce and Taylor Swift have done it, of course, so that is a way. But I don't know, as an 18-year-old as well, I'd be like freaking out. That's exactly what came to my mind as I was reading that out loud. So obviously not on the same level, but it's like, you know, when you're a teenager in high school and you're one of the high achievers, right? And you have the world at your feet and then you kind of crash from there. You know what I mean? Like when you, when you achieve a lot of things when you're young, it, it sets up like hard expectations on, yeah. on yourself and stuff. So I can't imagine how she's feeling. And I hope that doesn't get to her because mm. that'd be so debilitating. Literally. But yes, hopefully, I think she will take home a few. Driver's license, the way that mm. was, that went off in January this year was like unprecedented, even though we're all sick of that word. So yes, so happy for Miss Rodrigo. And our other podcast fave, Lil Nas X, has also received five nominations. And this makes him the first artist from the hip hop capital of Atlanta to be nominated in these big categories since Outcast, wow. which is huge. And uh, Lil Nas X actually paid a tribute to Outcast's song, Heya, in his latest video, That's What I Want. So that's very sweet. That is so sweet. I feel like it's been such a big year for music. So this particular award season is actually so exciting. Yeah. And it's nice to see so many younger artists like Little Nas and Olivia, um, like, and Billie Eilish just like smashing it. So love that for them. But something I found so funny was um, British band Glass Animals being nominated for Best New Artist, even though they've been around for a decade. So obviously Glass Animals the band behind heat waves and I looked up the definition of the category because you know sometimes it could be like best new artist with like a debuting single or something Mm. essentially a new artist is defined as any performing artist or established performing group who releases during the year the recording that first establishes the public identity of that artist or group as a performer Oh, but Glass Animal. I remember listening to Glass Animals when I was like in year nine. Not to be that like 
I was their fans. I was like before they got popular, but I just thought that was so interesting. Especially when it's like, um, you know, the definition you read out was about establishing public identity, right? Like their music has stayed relatively similar. Like their vibes are the same. The genre is the same. Like that's very weird, but okay. Love that for them. I mean, it's probably a good thing for them, but yeah, it yeah. is strange. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sure they're stoked by a Grammy nomination, but um, yeah, funny category. Imagine working for like a decade and then you're like, best new artist. You're like, we've been slogging <laughs> it out on tour for like the past 10 years. They'll be culture um, club in 2030. That's <laughs> podcast in more music news the australian recording industry association music awards aka the arias happened this week in australia so suddenly actually it feels like there was no warning about this i had no idea that it was going on yeah i had no idea that it was even going to be like i forgot that it was aria time and then i just saw like some red carpet pick of someone at the arias and i was like oh that's happening tonight. Interestingly, though, it wasn't actually broadcast on free-to-air. You had to find it on streaming services. I really liked this opinion piece from the Sydney Morning Herald by Neil McMahon titled, What Arias Lacked in Energy It Made Up For With Embrace of Young Stars. So I read it a little bit out. Everything about this year's ceremony, from the gender-neutral Best Artist Gong to the choice of winners and even the online-only nature of the broadcast itself, was a reminder that this was not your mum and dad's award shows. In one way, that was a shame. The streaming-only broadcast delivered a certain flexibility, but also robbed the industry of a decent audience for its night of nights. And when your night of nights comes amid the pandemic of pandemics for the second year in a row, that feels a bit cruel. The nominees, winners, and COVID-battered industry generally deserved a bigger spotlight as music emerges from the dark days. As it was, anyone wanting to watch the proceedings had to seek out the broadcast on YouTube or on the Nine Now streaming platform, and if viewers were switched on enough to do that, they were presented with a disjointed affair that split the night in two. So he's basically criticising how people could even watch it. Wow. Okay, that is so interesting. Um, I'm never one to really watch any award shows, but that feels kind of like anticlimactic. And I think I saw a few tweets from um, some of the artists that received nominations and they were like, whoa, like woke up to this, like, ah, this is cool. But it felt very kind of abrupt and Mm. I don't know, kind of spontaneous. And like you just mentioned in the piece over there, this was the first year that the ARIA Awards has introduced gender-neutral categories. Um, So now it's not split between like best male artists and female artists or whatever. Um, And in this piece for Refinery29, our culture editor, Alicia, actually found out that 64 of the nominees were men. And it's usually a 50% split between men and um, women. Wow. So even though they were going for more gender neutral, like diversity, it's ended up becoming more heavily skewed towards men. Yeah, exactly. So it's a bid for diversity. And I think we've had or we've seen lots of conversations like this play out um, in like the public sphere of like, you know, we should scrap the gender categories. People are just artists or just actors. Let's rate them on their merit which is great um, and of course this other new change um, welcomes non-binary artists so they don't have to fall into a binary mold that they don't fit into it either but it's interesting that now it's yeah heavily skewed to men the brit awards also announced that they're doing the same 
as well. Mm. The whole Arias thing also got me thinking and post the Adele interview that we spoke about last week, got me thinking about how we respect and talk about arts and culture in this country specifically. Um, I love this tweet by junkie reporter Lavender Baj that reads, Holding the Arias on a Wednesday night is a clear representation of the lack of fucks anyone in Australia has for actually supporting musicians. We get a day off work for the parade before the grand final, but here, have a random Wednesday. I love that tweet. And um, as we've just discussed, we have so much great emerging talent here in Australia. So it's like we should really be uplifting them and celebrating them and giving them the respect that they need and deserve. Yeah, rather than like people like Kid Leroy having to go to LA to like make it and he's huge and he won Aria. Mm. But um, yeah, so many people and TK Miza, like she should be so much bigger than she is and I just think we have a real problem with talking about arts and culture in Australia. Speaking of The weekend, he is actually co-creating a drama series called The Idol. Never knew that this singer-songwriter was actually dabbling in this acting and kind of writing space as well yeah so cool and our very own Troy Sivan has been cast alongside Lily Rose Depp and Nico Hiraga from Booksmart and Moxie we love him so the series is set against the backdrop of the music industry and centers on a self-help guru and leader of a modern day cult who develops a complicated relationship with an up-and-coming pop idol it is also co-created by one of the Euphoria creators what do you think? It feels very in the zeitgeist, no? Like wellness culture and then like that euphoria vibes. It sounds very interesting. Mm. Yeah, super interesting and super good cast. Like very much the new movie stars, I think. I know. Oh, and um, I think, yeah, um, we're guessing that Lily Rose Depp is going to be that up-and-coming pop idol that's, um, that they're referring to and I think – she perfectly fits that mold. I'm so excited to see what it's like. Um, I know. I think. Do you think the weekend has cast himself as a cult leader? I could see him as one. Like he just has that <laughs> like energy of like yeah, like just the the pop star superstar energy that you can command a crowd. He's such an amazing performer. Yeah, we don't have any hot takes or anything. We just kind of wanted to talk about the show a little bit because we're pretty excited about it. It feels pretty new and it's got such a stellar cast. So, yeah, I can't wait for this one. Move over, Kendall and Kylie. There's a new generation of car Jenners rising and growing up. This week, the TikTok for you page has kindly been giving me TikToks made by nine-year-olds. Penelope Disick and Northwest are officially influencers creating aesthetic videos about the inner life of the Kardashians. I have been given these videos so much over the last week, which is so funny because I was like, why am I getting these weird, like <laughs> funnily cut videos? Like, who is this? And I realized it's a car Jenner or a Disick or West. Okay. There's so many names. <laughs> um, but when I mentioned to you, you hadn't seen this on your page, right? No. Yeah. My for you page is very not relevant. Like it's not really, <laughs> it's not really current. It doesn't follow newsy stuff or whatever. So I'm a bit bummed. I didn't get to see this because you mentioned you wanted to talk about it today. I'm like, hang on. 
like let's watch some of the TikToks and they're so fun but it's also quite freaky having like people whose ages are in like the single digits being mm-hmm. be like quite fluent online. Yeah, it's super interesting. So there's the two accounts, there's P and Court and Kim and North. So very cute, like mummy daughter mm. accounts. I've seen some comments of people being like, make one of Chloe and True and all this. So I think if these do well, it could become a thing. Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah, because these are really popular at the moment. So Penelope's TikToks are very sweet. She does little um, like get ready with me, like, but she doesn't talk to the camera or really show her face that much. It's more her point of view of like her going through her beauty products and her skincare. And I was a bit like, why does a nine-year-old need this many products? Like I understand like a bit of moisturizer, like it's nice to like massage oil in your face, but it was like full on like a routine. I was like, why start now? You've got like the nine-year-old skin. Um, She also uses Centel 26, go off queen. Oh my goodness. Not us with our like chemist warehouse $12 (laughs) perfumes back in the day. We're like begging for the One Direction ones, never got that one. But wow. And her videos are quite aesthetic. Like, you know, they're very fast paced. Like she knows all the angles and all the, the funky shots. Yeah. She knows the trending sounds. Uh, You also see videos of her in like, planes and jets like looking at the view um some of north's tiktoks this week have been obviously they're all in the same house for like thanksgiving or something and so that in their like you see their bunk beds and it's so fascinating because it feels like a different version of the kardashian show Mm. that's kind of gone from like having ryan seacrest and a bunch of cameras in the house to like the children filming them and like the children giving glimpses and even though they're not like speaking to the camera or really revealing much. You still get to see like, oh, what's Penelope using or um, what are they having for Thanksgiving dinner? All these kind of like, like there's a video of Penelope making s'mores like in front of a fire. Yeah. So I just found it so interesting, but um, some comments on some videos have been turned off, which is good, but I don't really know what, like what the veto process of that is like some on some off and um Penelope's bio reads that her account is managed by an adult thank god and um this was added in to the bio after her account actually got taken down because of um TikTok's age thing you have to be 13 mm. to actually even make an account I so wonder who's um, managing it as well because it's not going to be Courtney. Like, do they have just like a staffer who's in charge of a nine-year-old's TikTok account? I love that job. Imagine. And just circling back to what you said before um, about how now we get like the kids filming their family and their lives. Like it's literally from the angle as well. We were talking before about watching one of the videos where uh, Penelope is like filming Courtney and it's filmed at such a low angle because she's a tiny human being. Um, And it's just small things like that where, oh, I have never seen that angle before because we see like pap shots or selfies Mm. or or whatever. But now we're just getting like a little nine-year-old girl filming their mom yeah I think it's sweet but it's also so fascinating to to know that they are coming like <laughs> they coming. in like a few years well they're probably already influencing now with these TikToks but like this truly is a dynasty now and it truly is like the American uh, royal family of like each generation has their own um generation <laughs> 
But um, I saw a tweet that was like, soon people, like kids today are going to be like, oh, who was Kris Jenner? Like, or Kim Kardashian? No, like Penelope's my favorite or whatever. So yeah, it's very, very interesting. Oh, I wonder if they're making influencer coin yet. That would be so freaky. I saw a funny comment on one of Penelope's videos because she was using Kylie's beauty products and someone commented, "Um, Penelope, is Arnie Kylie giving you coin for this, like, promo? (laughs) Honestly, don't do it for free, hun. Yeah. We say no to gifted in exchange for posts. (laughs) Hope she's learning. I also saw a great TikTok by the account Kardashian Colloquium. Have you heard of them before? No. Ref- tell oh, me. I've just sent you the account. Yeah. I'll share on the um, Instagram as well for this week, but um, it is basically this woman who does deep dives into like a Kardashian theory. So like so up our alley of like taking, I don't know, the paparazzi shots of Pete and Kim or these TikToks and um, going into like a deep academic like theory style um about them but in this one she says that the adults are probably encouraging these tiktoks because the adults themselves haven't figured out how to get into those like niche Mm. markets of tiktok yet like i think they have them i think i've seen some of kylie's but like they're not big like it's not their main thing and in order for them to stay relevant they have to be across every form of media so this is their way to get like the kardashians on tiktok and I'll play a little bit here. Additionally, this addresses a long-standing issue the Kardashians have had with TikTok. They haven't figured out how to have niches on TikTok. To keep their power, the Kardashians need to reign every social media domain. The kids are the Kardashians TikTok in. I actually love having this podcast because I was and still am like quite... Uh, like not unknowledgeable about the Kardashians and this whole kind of spectacle, right? And I used to be kind of that person that will be like, oh, like the Kardashians, like why do we always talk about them? Like blah, 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 like who are these people? But it's just so fascinating how week on week they are in the news cycle. We keep talking about them. I actually find it so interesting now, even as someone who like really honestly doesn't know much about these people as well. So I I am all for this and yeah I need to do a deep dive into that TikTok account that does deep dives into the Kardashians (laughs) yeah I just love it because I think it says so much about our culture like Mm -hmm. they really do run our culture in a way and um it just yeah speaks to the broader like what is going on in pop culture um so yeah love love that account so interesting to see where this will go in terms of like the kids' TikTok accounts. Like will one day they accidentally spill the beans on something? They'll maybe film Chloe Sands filter and makeup and she'll have to make a post. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like that feels that, uh, like it'll happen. Yeah, that filtered photo drama from a few months ago. But all in all, like I just hope the kids are like being looked after online because like mm. I don't know, I don't think it's a really – a place for nine-year-olds but whatever this is a new world I don't want to sound like a boomer (laughs) no 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 I so agree it's a scary place for any old nine-year-old let alone you know some of the most famous Mm. ones there are we love learning about the nitty-gritty of celebrities lives right 
Well, maybe not anymore. The internet collectively has learned about some disturbing details about Will Smith's sex life this week. So according to BuzzFeed, Will's autobiography titled Will went into detail about how he used sex as a coping mechanism. Um, And we'll just put a little small content warning here because we'll talk about some bodily like fluid descriptions, I guess. So Will talks about his first serious relationship with a girl called Melanie. It was a deeply intense relationship, though short-lived because Melanie cheated on Will when he was on tour at the age of 16. He says, I desperately need relief, but as there is no pill for heartbreak, I resorted to the homeopathic remedies of shopping and rampant sexual intercourse, Will writes. I had sex with so many women and it was so constitutionally disagreeable to the core of my being that I developed a psychosomatic reaction to having an orgasm. It would literally make me gag and sometimes even vomit. And this week, the internet has honestly just ate this up. You can't go anywhere without seeing a tweet, a headline or video mocking this, right? Like you sent me this, albeit funny TikTok about this, which I think we should actually play. Yeah, let's play it. It's so funny. Every day I wake up with more news about Will Smith that I I never wanted to know. I'm a simple person. I've just read an article that said he once had so much rampant sex it made him vomit. It's Tuesday. I I don't care. And I'm just... Do you know I live in Manchester. Why am I hearing about Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith and how much sex they have and, and the partners and how much they've cheated on each other? I'm all right for it, you know. I just... just Another tweet I saw this week was, everything I've learned about Will and Jada Smith has been against my will. No pun intended there, right? And to kind of summarize it, I saw this other headline that just simply read, Will Smith, please stop talking about your sex life for the love of God. This is a funny one because I sent you that TikTok and I was like, oh my God, so true. So, so funny. Why would he say that? I think I even sent you an Instagram thing. Like, what the hell is this? But is this anti-sex positivity or is it just he's just been a little bit too much TMI? I mean, it's so weird because I think, you know, you sent me these, thank you, Jasmine, for like opening my eyes (laughs) to this whole situation by sending me, yeah, multiple things about it. Um, And genuinely when you sent it to me, I kind of felt ill just at the headlines about like vomiting and gagging, it actually made me feel quite ill just opening that up, right? But the interesting thing is that a lot of the online conversation has been worded in a way that's like, oh, he's had so much sex that it makes him vomit, which just isn't the case here. Yeah, so obviously this isn't like some sort of kink that he has, that he has to vomit every time he has an orgasm. Um, But we wanted to explore what psychosomatic reactions actually are. So according to The Citizen, psychosomatic is a term that refers to real physical symptoms that arise from or are influenced by the mind and emotions rather than a specific organic cause in the body. So a psychosomatic illness originates from or is aggravated by stress. Um, depression can also contribute to psychosomatic illnesses 
and especially when your body's immune system has been weakened. So I don't want to like put words in your mouth, but I think like a lot of us who like deal with some mental health things experience things like this to some level, right? Like what you just read out is experiencing stress and having bodily reactions to that. So that could be sweating or um, elevated heartbeats and things like that. Yeah. And he's very consciously shared a very personal part of his life with the world. And the reaction has been a bit like judgmental. A judgmental, I guess, is, yeah, a good word to use. But also, this is such a good way to sell a book. If he's saying <laughs> he so read this in, like, to sell an autobiography, even if you're very famous, there has to be some hook. Like, some secret reveal that wasn't known before, like something shocking. So is this also like just a marketing tactic to get shock factor and for us to talk about it and then people are aware that he's written an autobiography and then we read it, even if that is, even if it did happen, of course, but the way it's been kind of put out in the media. Yeah, good call. Um, I always have to remember to put my PR hat on. I always Mm. kind of just, I'm a bit naive about these things, but that's right. I agree with you. But the thing is, like, he wrote an autobiography, which is literally, you know, an account of his life. Like, I am not salty that he's written about intimate personal things. I mean, I feel like that's a purpose of that book. Um, but yeah, I understand that it's like just not the nicest thing to read about when you're just like waking up on a Wednesday morning, you know, like I get that part. But yeah. Do you think that if this was a female celebrity that the reception would have been different? Who actually knows? The world is an interesting place. <laughs> um, but, like, I I do think that potentially, yes, I think that Will Smith and Jada Pickett-Smith have had other other stories about their sex life be in the public sphere. That's why we are potentially more critical about Will at the moment. But potentially like I think if like if if one of my friends told me about this story like I'd be like oh god like I'm so sorry Mm. that you have this terrible experience you know (laughs) yeah I agree I also think it would depend on the female celebrity so if I don't know Jamila Jamil said that we would be having the same reaction yeah but if I don't know Beyonce or someone Adele, Taylor Swift said that we'd be more like, oh, my God, like you're so brave for speaking about this like mental Mm. illness and like I hope you get help and maybe it would start like maybe you'd write a feature for a refinery of like what is psychosomatic like (laughs) orgasming? Uh, Here's how to know and how to deal with it. So I think sometimes our reactions on the internet can depend on definitely who says it as well. That is so true. And like to bring it back to the top of this conversation when you ask, you know, is this anti-sex positive? Um, You know, if we look at the definition of just what sex positivity means, it means having an open or tolerant or progressive attitude towards sex and sexuality. A lot of the time people just interpret that to be like, People can sleep with whoever they want and how many people they want, which is true, but it's also about respecting people who choose not to engage in sex or who have views that differ from your own. So I think it's important to remember that because 
Um, I think that's just what's a bit confusing about this news story because on one hand, you know, we are like so progressive apparently as a society and we are more understanding of kinks and sexuality. But then like I could barely find anything on the internet that kind of defended Will on this. Everything, every news piece was the same kind of just embarrassing torment on him. Mm. And yeah, I was quite shocked. Tweets as well. I couldn't find anything like that. Yeah. So at a similar time, the trailer for Pam and Tommy has just dropped the Hulu series that's based around the scandal of Pamela Anderson's leaked sex tape. We spoke about it a few months ago. The trailer looks like the show will grapple with the ethical problems of the stealing and releasing of the sex tape, but does that make it right? So while there are heaps of articles talking about Lily James's incredible transformation and um, other sneak peeks from the trailer, I actually really liked an article um, released by Vogue called Is It Just Me or Is a Teaser for Pam and Tommy Deeply Offensive? And that was written by Hayley Maitland. Um, content warning here as it discusses domestic violence. So the piece opens up um, with a rehashing of legal charges against Tommy Lee, which was back in 1998, just three years after they got married. Tommy was sentenced to six months in jail for beating Pamela, who was assaulted as she held their baby son. So a really horrific image right there. Yeah, so we've talked about the series before, but I actually had no idea about the abuse in their relationship. Again, um, Pamela as a celebrity was before my time. Like I just miss that era I suppose in a way but the trailer interestingly enough also showed no indication of the abuse of their relationship and it seems like they definitely just swept that under the rug it didn't really fit their narrative I feel really conflicted about this because I want to watch it because it was such a cultural moment of the 2000s and it seems like very very good casting and actors but also if Pamela has said she doesn't want this to be made and it was made again, like imagine a show being made about your life when you don't even want that to be shown. Like that's very yeah. personal. So I don't know. It's like almost like imagine if this was you, this is one of the worst things that's happened in your life and it's being re-brought into the public sphere for everyone to watch a second time. Mm. Like that is traumatic as uh, like – as a potential positive people are saying and you can kind of see in the trailer as well that potentially this will show more of the pain experienced by Pamela and kind of give light to the emotions or whatever she was going through which maybe will help people reflect on um, the situation in the first place Mm. Um, but I also do just want to read out some of the Vogue article by Hayley I'll just read out a snippet here Why on earth is this situation being rehashed for television without Anderson's consent or involvement in the first place? In a post-Me Too climate, it's hard to imagine any streamer greenlighting a series about the 2014 leak of nude celebrity images, let alone if the photos had been taken in the midst of an abusive relationship. Why should this be any different? Mm. Would love to hear what Culture Club listeners think of this as well because I'm genuinely conflicted. I know. Like I think um, I agree with what you're saying before. Like I am intrigued to watch this myself mm-hmm. but then again I'll be perpetuating this damaging scenario that's been happening here. Um, 
because I don't know there's so there's a lot of tv shows at the moment that grapple with sexual assault on different movies that have come out so yeah shows like Morning Wars and Bombshell was that the Mm. movie with yeah Margot Robbie and these a lot of these are based on true events that happened less than like five years ago or whatever so it's interesting that we sometimes platform trauma for entertainment Mags, what have you been watching, reading, listening to, loving this week? Yeah, last night I watched a movie. Um, I watched Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix. Um, Quite a few people are talking about this and I think for good reason too. So if you haven't heard about it, it is a film based on the autobiographical musical by playwright Jonathan Larson. Um, He made Rent. So it's about an aspiring composer who's in New York City and he's grappling with the fear of turning 30 and also, you know, love and friendships and whatnot. It stars Andrew Garfield and is directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who did Hamilton. And yes, it is a musical, which is not everybody's cup of tea in my mind right now. Um, Our good friend Kitsch just hates them. (laughs) So Kitsch, if you're listening, just skip, (laughs) skip the segment. Um, But yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. It's quite a unique watch. Like the way it was put together is unlike any other film or musical I've seen. It kind of neatly stitches together different time periods and also kind of leads uh, and it also lets the audience connect the dots themselves for some parts of it. I think it started off super strong in the way that it had that vibe of like a 2010s movie um, even though it is set in the 90s and the opening song gave me McFly vibes so (laughs) enjoy that jazz if you do watch it Um, I do think the film had a bit of an identity crisis like at times it felt like it was trying to be super indie but then other times it was like really mainstream and very corny musical vibes Mm. but it was like a really lovely watch especially because it's based on a true story and it's set in New York with um, the backdrop of the HIV crisis as well so there are some really heartbreaking moments that I think really are like the film's strongest points as well. Mm. And kind of as a secondary recommendation uh, for people who have seen the movie, Lin-Manuel and Andrew did a video with Vanity Fair on YouTube. We'll link it, obviously, in the show notes. Um, And they break down a scene in the film. And it was so cool seeing, like, the level of detail and thoughtfulness behind, like, commemorating Jonathan. Um, Yeah, like, that part, like, really blew my mind. I was like, wow, they have really put so much heart into this film. So, yeah, that's mine. And does it star Vanessa Hudgens? Yeah, like she's in it as well. And it's like she sings so much. It's so high school musical. I love it. I saw, I think it was a Netflix ad on TikTok for the movie. Um, But that's, seeing Vanessa is what caught my attention. I was like, it's something that's not Princess Switch. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. We'll still be watching Princess Switch 3. But yes. (laughs) Cool. I really want to watch this. It's definitely on my list. Yes, I thought so. I feel like you would enjoy it. Um, But how about you? Have you read anything good or seen or listened to anything worth recommending? So this week on Wednesday, I got invited to see a preview screening of the new Beatles documentary. It's called Get Back and it is um, on Disney+. Plus. It's directed by Peter Jackson, who did the Lord of the Ring films. And basically Peter Jackson found like 
50 hours worth of this never before seen archival footage from when the Beatles were recording their final album, Let It Be. Um, and they have enhanced the film and used um, artificial intelligence to boost the sound so you can hear the conversations. And seeing it on the big screen, I took my granddad to the screening, mm. which was very wholesome, and he was so, so excited. Um, and seeing it on the big screen was, like, amazing. You could see every mark and hair and everything on their face. It felt like the closest thing to time travel to me oh, because, wow. like, the 60s outfits, they were so, like, um, colourful and, you know, with the footage being enhanced, you could see all the details of the outfits in motion, which I found so interesting. But I would say that you do have to be a fan of the Beatles and know some context. The documentary goes for eight hours, like there's three different episodes. So I only got to see a 100-minute kind of splice together little preview of it. Um, but there's one season and, yeah, it's just basically – this person sitting in a room filming the Beatles make the album um, and they didn't realise it would be their last album before they broke up. They also have amazing footage of um, the Beatles' last ever performance, which was on top of a roof in London. And, yeah, you get to see all the girls in their 60s, like, miniskirts and the hair and um, it was just so, so fascinating. And, yes, I loved it. I grew up on the Beatles' music, so have always like had them in my life. So I don't know, that could definitely influence like my bias towards this. Um, like I said, I think you do have to be a fan or at least be interested in them because yeah, essentially it's just fly on the wall. Like you're just observing them for um, hours. <laughs> but yeah, it was really interesting. And I think it's so fascinating the way that um, technology can like enhance old archive footage and we were some of the, like this week, people who've seen it this week, some of the first people in the world to have seen this stuff. So, yeah, very cool. That is so cool. It's amazing that there was like still more footage to be had of one of the most popular bands in the world, right? Mm. Um, but, yeah, this is getting quite um, the rave reviews as well. I got a Apple News alert about it as well. Um, so glad that it's got your tick of approval. Yeah, love it. All right, that's us for another week. Thank you for joining us and listening. If you did enjoy this episode, please give us a little rate and review on Apple Podcasts. It really would make our year a nice way to round out the season. So we're not finishing yet, but like nice end of year gift to us. And I also just want to say a huge thank you to everyone who's donated over the last few weeks to my half marathon efforts i hit my target this week of a thousand dollars which is like crazy to me when i first started i thought that it was too optimistic i was like excited and then not many donations were coming in i was like god i've aimed way too high but i did it well everyone did it you know so thank you to everyone for donating i've actually um extended my target to 1500 now just because i have a few more weeks to go so i thought i'd get another little boost so yeah if anyone has any spare change they want to donate to the victorian aboriginal child care agency the link is in our bio hooray thank you again everybody we will see you next week bye